Hello and welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. This past Sunday, we talked about hindrances to intimacy with God. You know, in in our bedroom, we don't have a television for a reason because the bedroom is where, um, you know, intimacy happens. That's where uh, my wife and I are able to have intimate times and we don't need any distractions. We don't need any hindrances. I know that's a little more personal than probably what you were expecting for an intro, but let me tell you, this past Sunday was very powerful and there were some things that came out. Uh, regarding hindrances, I think that will be a real strong help for you. So grab your Bible, set your heart to hear from heaven, and let's listen to the podcast. Hey, would you all stand with me just for a moment? We like to pray at the beginning of every service because one of the things that we like to do as a church is we want to make sure that our heart is prepared and ready to receive what he has for us. So I'm going to ask you to put your hands on your heart, those of you that are not holding babies, and uh, keep your hands on those babies. But put your hands on your heart, and what we're going to do is we're going to posture our heart to receive from him this morning. And this is how we do that. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, and let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're about to do this morning. I ask you for ears to hear, eyes to see and a heart to receive exactly what you have for me. In Jesus' name, and everyone who agrees, say amen, amen. Well, you can be seated this morning. I want to look at a scripture first thing this morning, and if you don't mind, I'm going to stand up in here. I'm going to ask also that we open these shades. I don't know if Chris is around where we could open the shades, because I want you guys to see the sunlight. But I'm going to ask them to put our first scripture up on the screen. It's Hebrews chapter 12. I, I, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And God doesn't always let me be able to talk about it, but I was so excited today when he said, hey, you can share about Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. But let's, let's read this together. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let's keep going, next verse. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Let's jump back to, to uh, verse 1 and 2. I want you guys to see this. This is, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that word witnesses is a direct translation of the word martyr. Isn't that interesting? That in the arena of life, and here you are down in there, you're like the gladiator, right? You're battling good versus evil. But the people that are sitting in the stands, the cloud of witnesses, the people that are cheering you on are the martyrs. Isn't that interesting that God chose the martyrs to watch you? I think it's a great idea because they understand better than anyone persecution. Martyrs were burned at the stake. They had their skin literally ripped from their body. They were thrown in the fiery furnace. They were, they were killed in all, 
all kinds of ways. And why were they killed? Because they refused to deny Jesus. They refused to deny, deny Christ, right? So who better to watch on? And they're watching you because they want to see how you're going to fight, what you're going to do in this life. They're cheering for you. They're saying, man, don't give up. Live for Jesus. Live strong for him. And then it goes on to say, let us lay aside every weight. Every weight. That word weight is an interesting word. Another translation of the word weight, if you look it up in the Greek, is hindrance. Something that hinders you. This last week, um, my, both my wife and I, we work at Loving Choices two days a week. And I get to counsel men. These are men that are, you know, they're in not always good situations. Some of them are married, and it's, and it's great. Some of them, they're like, oops. And they're, now they're in shock, and they're trying to figure out, what do I do now? Anyway, and so I was talking about this. I was talking with this young man, and I was talking with him about his calling. That he, God designed him, and he designed him for a destiny that God has a plan and a purpose for his life. And when I got done talking, it got quiet. And then he asked me this question. He said, how do I pray? He said, I mean, how do I hear the voice of God? And in the midst of my excitement to get to preach to you, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, I came to that, let us lay aside every weight. And when I looked that up, and it said hindrance, I knew in my heart what God wanted us to talk about this morning. Hindrances to intimacy with him. Hindrances. So many people want to hear the voice of God. They want to draw close to him. They want to, they want to have this love relationship. I, heard, I had one worship leader. He explained it so well. Uh, there was this guy that had never seen worship before, and he was wondering why people had their hands in the air, and they were praising God, and they were lifting their hands. And he said, why are people doing that? That's kind of weird. And this worship leader said, he said, well, here's why. He said, have you ever been a little kid when you were three years old, and you fell down, and you injured your knee, you really hurt your knee bad, you started crying, and you looked up, and there was dad right there. What was the first thing that you did? Pick me up. Dad, pick me up. And when he said that, I just went, oh, man, isn't that the way we are? God, pick me up. Lord, pick me up. When we were, um, when we were in the Dominican Republic, we used to go on a pretty regular basis. And we didn't go for just a week or just a few days. We were there for a minimum of 60 days, most of the time 80 days or more. And let me tell you, that's a long time to be in another country, especially a developing country where they don't have a Walmart and they don't have a Target and they don't have other things that we appreciate here, a Casey's or, you know, these types of things. And, but the thing that was interesting about the Dominican to me was the way they carried their weights because most of them have scooters. And so they would carry their entire family on a scooter. I found some pictures. I wanted to show you this first one. This is of a family. Look at this, a family of five on one scooter. If you go to the Dominican Republic, and I'm not talking about Punta Cana, okay? <laughs> you got to get inland. You got to get over to Igwe and Azwa and Benin, and you'll see this. You'll see families of five on one motor scooter. Now, look at this next one. There's another guy carrying a load. This is common, too. 
I don't know if this is a hot water heater or what this is that he's carrying, but this is very common. These guys are resourceful. They're amazing. Let's look at the next one, right? Yeah, man. Wow, that's amazing. Next one. <laughs> so, so selling used clothes in the Dominican is a big deal, and they come in these pods like this. These, you see these big trash bags full, and that's the way they come. So this guy's being really creative in how he's carrying it. I don't think this is Dominican, but it's the closest thing I could find. All right, next one. <clears throat> Look at this dude. Yeah, he's got all of his product. Going to set up at the next door. Next one. Yeah, come on, it's my favorite. You got the couch on the back. <laughs> I mean, literally, we would see, we, we would see, they would have a queen-size mattress draping over. It's dragging the ground as they're, you know, trying... Can you imagine if a semi passed you? <laughs> Whoa, you know, you got this mattress on you. But this is the way that they carry their weights. But how many of you know weights are hindrances? When I was 12 years old, I, I saw these muscle men on TV, and I thought, man, I want to develop muscles like these guys. Problem was, I was 12 years old. I was a beanpole. I was like this. Now I'm a little wider than that. But I mean, I was, you know, just a skinny guy. And so I asked my mom, I said, and dad, I said, would you guys buy me some weights? And I don't know if it was my birthday or Christmas, but they bought me some free weights, you know, but they also bought me these ankle weights. Have you ever wore those ankle weights before? Oh man. And I put them on, I strapped them on again. I'm 12 years old and I don't remember how heavy these things were, but they were heavy enough. And I strapped these things on. I kept them on all day long. And I tried to run across the yard, and I couldn't run. Or, and then I tried to climb the tree. We had sycamore trees on our yard. We had nine of them. In our, in our, we had about two acres and nearly, and we had these, all these sycamore trees. And I tried to climb the tree. I couldn't climb the tree. Then I thought, you know, I'm going to go play basketball. This is a good idea. And I'm trying to play basketball. I couldn't do anything. Why? Because these weights are hindering me. So I think what we want to do this morning is first, we want to identify what hindrances are, but secondly, we want to eliminate. We want to take those hindrances off of our life. How many of you agree this morning? Are you in agreement with me? Praise God. All right. All right. Remember, you remember, I want to read this and I'm going to talk to you about the first way. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let me tell you, we can't be like that, like that girl that sits against the wall at the dance and waits for the boy to come and ask her to join the dance. We can't wait for God to come to us and say, hey, come and join the dance. We're the ones that make the first move, right? So you ready to see some hindrances this morning? All right. We got the first one right here. Let's take a look at this one. Let's see what we have. Oh, you know what? First of all, I need a volunteer. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. Don't look at that. Stop looking at my... All right. I need a volunteer. Actually, I'm going to volunteer Brian right here. Welcome, Brian, from Called to Love. This is Brian James. Stand up. This is James from Called to Love. Alan Pray. This is Called to Love, dude. And you're a Called to Love brother-in-law, aren't you? Bobby. All right. So, Brian, I'm going to... Okay. Uh, just let me know if I haven't sufficiently embarrassed you by the time we get done, okay? Because I'll try harder. All right. So, so Brian, we're going to have you be a character in our play that we're going to do. So we're going to have you be God. Can I stick that on there? Here. All right. So I'm going to have you come up here, right up here at the very top. You're going to stand right here. Give Brian a hand. 
So what's the first hindrance? Now, by the way, before I start, these are, this is not a comprehensive list, but these are the things that I felt are the most common that I hear people say. One of the, one of the biggest things, sin. Sin. It's plain and simple. Sin is disobedience. We remember in the Garden of Eden, remember when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? Sin separated them from the Father. But here's what happens for a lot of people. When they sin, they don't feel the effects of it. You remember Adam and Eve didn't die physically. What did God say was going to happen when they sinned? He said, you'll die. What was he talking about? Not their physical body. He was talking about their spirit man on the inside. When we sin, our spirit man begins to die on the inside. You can't separate the two. You can't separate sin from death. They go hand in hand. You said, then Phil, how come I don't see an effect? You may, you, may, you, know, you may have sinned, but you didn't experience an effect. Some people experience immediate effects. The people, for instance, that we minister to uh, you know, at the Pregnancy Resource Center, they're, they're pregnant in shock and fear, trying to figure out what am I going to do now? There was a natural result to a decision that they made. Sometimes that does happen. But what about the, what about the people that, that sin all the time? And it seems like in the natural that they get away with it because there was no effects. A friend of mine had a large tree in his yard. And I, I, I'm, I don't have a green thumb. But all I know is the tree didn't look right. The tree was, I mean, it, it, just, it was starting to die in areas. And so he couldn't figure out what was going on. So he called a, a tree surgeon. The tree surgeon comes. He said, I'll tell you what's going on with your tree. It's dead. What do you mean it's dead? He said, it's probably been dead three years. He said, what do you mean it's been dead three years? It, it blossoms every, every season. He said, sir, he said, this is a 30-foot tree. You know how old this tree is? Do you know how long it takes a tree like this to die? See, sin, if you continue to sin, will produce greater death and greater death. And what it does is it separates us from our loving father. You look like God, by the way. You do, doesn't he? Come on, he's made in his image. I mean, right? Doesn't he look like God? I knew I picked the right guy. The sin separates us. It separates us from our Father. We can't. It hinders us from having intimacy with our Father. Yeah. Want to hear another one? Yeah. Want to see another one? Are you sure? Okay. All right. Here it comes. Ready or not, I, got, I brought all my luggage with me today. This is every bag. I don't even know what this one says yet. But let's put it right up here. Oh, this is a good one. Failure. Failure. Man, have you ever noticed that the enemy, he loves to replay your failure on the newsreel of your life? I mean, it's like that terrible Gilligan's Island episode that won't go away. It's like Groundhog Day. You're living it, and you're reliving it, and you're reliving it. And do you know why people relive the failures in their life? Because they haven't discovered what their true identity is. They haven't accepted their true identity, which is, I am now, I'm no longer a sinner, an old sinner saved by grace. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can't be both. I can't be an old sinner when Jesus died 
to pay for that sin. That was a debt that I couldn't pay. Now, many of you probably own a house. You probably have debt on your house. You probably have a mortgage of some kind. What if somebody came in and said, hey, today I'm paying your house off. You don't know anything else on your house. Yeah, you would, you would say that was God all day long, wouldn't you? You'd be telling all your neighbors, all your friends, looking, man, you got to know Bobby. Guess what God did for me today? He paid my house off, dude. You don't seem very excited, Bobby. Help me, man, help me. No, I'm just saying, then why are we not as excited that Jesus died and paid our debt so that we could live free? So the sin is not you anymore. You're not your mistakes of the past. You're not your failures. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But if you just continue to meditate on your failures and you just begin to kick yourself over and over and over, then guess what? You add to the hindrances preventing you from having intimacy with God. Want to have intimacy with God. Man, we don't want anything in the way, do we? You guys ready for another one? I got one yes sir on that one, okay. <clears throat> Here's a big one. This one's, oh, this one's mine. It's got Dominican dust on it, you can tell. All right. Man, this is a big one. Loss. Loss. Grief. <clears throat> My dad passed away in September 11, 2013. He had a, uh, he had a uh, blood clot on the brain. And he began to make a recovery, but then um, he relapsed. And then a week later, he was in heaven. And, <clears throat> you know, everybody treats loss differently. And frankly, I was concerned about my mother when he passed away. Because I'd seen, being in ministry, I'd, I'd been there at, in hospice and the hospital stays, and, and even some of you in this auditorium, I've walked through that with you. And, and I've watched what happens to the remaining spouse. That they, they do a couple, one of two things. One is that they decide, oh, you know what? I'm still here, and I have a purpose in my life, and I'm gonna live it out. I, th- I don't believe God is done with me yet. I believe I'm still, I, I've still got better days out in front of me. But then you have the other person that they fall into grief, and they, and they carry that. Yeah. And I've watched spouses check out very quickly, soon after their loved one went home to be with the Lord. You know? But there's another kind of person, and this is the one I want to focus on in hindrances. And that's the one, that's the person that <clears throat> they blame God. They're like Mary and Martha. Jesus, if you had only been here, you could have saved him. He wouldn't have died. She wouldn't have died. Or, what's this thing I hear about healing? I thought you died. I thought you, I thought you took every sickness, every disease on your body when you died for us. And by your stripes, we're healed. But they're gone, and, and you begin to blame God. Let me tell you, my mom, she experienced a massive heart attack in 2011. She, she had her, one of her main arteries was completely blocked off. She nearly didn't make it, but 16 days later, she walked out of the hospital 
And we learned a lot about praying and believing God and standing in faith. And my dad was a big part of that. And then, yeah, her book is out there telling her testimony. It's on our table out there if you want. But my, but my dad, when he passed away, I was like, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. But I will say this. Jesus said, no one is good except God. So I know two things. I know God is a very good God, and he didn't kill my dad. He received him. But I'll say this, that he's not only a good God. When you're a Christian, it's a transition. You don't die. This ends, and you transition to who, where you're supposed to be. I remember Pastor Sharon Doherty. You guys remember Pastor Sharon Doherty when he, she came and preached? Wow, it's powerful, man. It's on our, uh, it's on our podcast, by the way. But, but these are my pastors um, from Tulsa that I grew up under. And, and I, she called me when my dad died. And she said, Phil, you know what? She said, we're not citizens of earth. And I was like, I needed to be reminded of that. You know, because you get so caught up in what's going on, you get caught up in the grief. And, and she said, we're not citizens of earth. We're passing through this life. The Bible calls this life a vapor. That's why we got to make this thing count. We got to give this what we have to give it because one day we're stepping over. So don't blame God. Oh, they got you a chair. Good. I was going to make you stand the whole time. Love you, Brian. He's ready for another one. Ready for another one? Oh, this is a good one. I feel this is going to be a good one, Brian. I mean, God. Sorry. Uh, oh, how about this one? Lust. <clears throat> Here's how I mean this. I, you know, I mean, I know there's different types of lust. People can lust after uh, opposite sex or the, or the same sex, or they can lust after a vehicle or a house or finances. But I'll tell you what I see a lot of is people that finally are dating that person that they dreamed of always dating. And then that person becomes an idol in their life. Anything that you put in the place and give it more value, more priority than God becomes an idol in your life. When Nicole and I were dating, both of us, when we started dating, which by the way, we dated through social media in 1992. You know what that looked like? United States Postal Service. That's what it looked like. You put a stamp on and you send it through the mail. And it was it's amazing that we wound up married after all that. But <laughs> yeah, we still have all the letters, by the way. But I remember before we started dating, we were both done. She had come out of a bad relationship. I had come out of a bad relationship of my own doing. And it was my own fault. But when I came out, I said, you know what, God? Here's my number one priority. I want the woman of my dreams. Because I made a list, you know? Come on, the Bible says write the vision down, make it plain. Check it twice. Check it twice. I think that was Santa Claus. But anyway. <laughs> but I said, here's number one, God. I want her to love you more than, you, more than she loves me. 
I want her to love God more. And I want it to be the same for her. I want her relationship with you to make me envious. I want to look at it and go, I want to have a relationship like that. Lost. All right. What's next? What else we got? We got... Now, some of you that are sitting back there and you can see my suitcases, don't count them down now. Come on. Three more suitcases and we're out of here. I, was, I, I felt that when I walked back there. All right. Ooh, broken heart. Broken heart. <clears throat> We've all had broken hearts, right? Had people that broke up with us, trashed our Jeep, threw all, their, threw all of our stuff out on the sidewalk. Oh, I'm sorry. This was not personalized. <laughs> I'm sorry, all those feelings were coming back. You know what I'm saying? You walk through, you walk into the restaurant, and the music's playing, and you go, it brings back every memory. Why? Because your heart was broken. And it's always broken by somebody who's close to you, not somebody that's out here, not somebody that's way over there. Why? Because you have low expectations of them, but the people that you let in to your heart, these are the ones that are closest to you, and they hurt you the most. And then what happens? You begin to shut down. You begin, you begin to have trust issues, and you begin to put a rigid boundary around your heart. Ain't nobody getting in. Mm-mm. Instead of allowing God to show you how to truly love again. See, if God would have been first place, this wouldn't have been an issue. But because something else became first place, just like the lust situation, your heart was easily broken. And let me tell you, putting a boundary around it, putting this rigid hardness around your heart, and the Bible calls that a hard heart. But what God wants to do is he wants to take your hard heart and he wants to give you a heart of flesh. Why does he want to give you a heart of flesh? Because there is risk involved in relationship. There is, but there's not risk involved in your relationship with him. But if all this is in the way, I can't hug Brian. I can't hug God. I can cry all day. But there's something hindering us, isn't there? All right. Got another one. I don't even know what this one says. We'll figure it out when we get here. Oh, criticism. <laughs> Here's a good one. I've never understood the concept of constructive criticism. I just, I don't know. I, I, is that just me? I just, you know, it's like, it's like, no, I'm just giving you permission to criticize me. But I do believe in pruning. Because pruning produces more growth in my life, you know? And sometimes we can come to a place where we are so self-critical that it becomes a hindrance to our intimacy with God. Because we just look at all the stuff that needs fixed. This needs fixed. This needs fixed. This needs fixed. I drive an older vehicle. I have a 2002 Chevy Tahoe. Come on. How, how many ta- David, is that you? Dude, sorry. I didn't. You clean up good, man. I didn't recognize it. Um, but huh, you, you... What was I even talking about? Your 
Sorry, my Chevy Tahoe, thank you. Sorry, squirrel, I didn't mean. But 2002, Chevy, and so, you know, when you drive an older vehicle, I take it to the shop often. In fact, I just got it back from the shop. Yeah, I've only got one more thing. <laughs> yeah, my family's excited. I've only got one more thing to fix on it, and then we should be good for a while. You know, but when you drive an older vehicle, you expect to have to make repairs and fix things. But what I see is people that have drive an older vehicle, if there's just one thing wrong with it, they're ready to trade it in, ready to get rid of it. Imagine if you were that way with yourself. I'm just, I'm just ready. God, why do you even bother with me? I got this wrong with me, this wrong with me, this needs fixed. I got a bad canooter valve. You know, I need, I need a new uh, oil pressure <laughs> gauge. I need, whatever it is, it can be fixed if you'll allow the potter to get his hands on the clay. And I think sometimes instead of criticizing ourselves, we need to be open to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I'd like you to speak to my heart. Tell me what's going on. What? I want to grow in you. I want you to prune me. I, you guys have heard that song, I want, to be, uh, I want to be tried by fire. Thank you, Hannah. I want to be tried by fire, purified. That is a, that is a sobering thought, isn't it? Why? Because you're opening yourself fully up to the Holy Spirit so that he can show you how to f- begin to fix things in your life, how to, how to get healed from a broken heart, how to let go of failures and, and, and remember who you are, how to become less critical of yourself. We should pay attention to criticism and praise very little, either one. Because if you live by praise, you'll die by criticism. You think about social media, you think about all the likes, and I have this many page views, and all this going on, and it's destroying a generation that's paying attention to it too much. Am I, am I, here's the simple question, am I obeying God? Am I doing what God told me to do? How many more we got back here? All right. Oh, this one's heavy. There's something in it. I think it's full of anxiety. <clears throat> wow. I, people talk too much about the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if, what if you know, what if... What if the rug gets pulled out from underneath me over here? What if, what if I don't get that house? What if I can't sell my house? What if my credit's not good enough? What if, what if, what if, what ifs? And we, and we talk about what ifs a lot. We talk about what is a little bit. You know, unless something happened today, what is? But you know what Jesus wants to talk about? He wants to talk about what can be in your life. That's all I'm going to say about that one. All right. What else you got back here? Ooh, I feel a good one coming. I feel a good one coming. Oh, unforgiveness. 
Man. Mm. That is a big one. <clears throat> People who don't forgive others hold on to resentment. I think one of the saddest things to me that I've seen, when, because we've ministered a lot in retirement centers, is to meet a person that's in their 80s or 90s, and they're still holding on to the hurt and, and, the, and the unforgiveness from 30, 40, 50 years ago. Because there's a lie out there that says time heals. Time doesn't heal. Jesus heals. You and I forgiving heals. Me being willing to forgive. You say, well, Phil, I just don't feel that I can. Well, that's the problem. You're going by your feelings. Your feelings don't have anything to do with you choosing to forgive. You know, I, I, sometimes, some days, I'm sure there's days, I don't, probably not very many, but Nicole may not feel married to me, but I will gladly remind her. Or vice versa. It'd probably be a better way to say that. She, she will remind me, <laughs> oh, you're married, all right. You know, what? But I'm not going by my feelings. I've made a quality decision, a covenant, a commitment. Hmm. Oh, and then what about forgiving yourself? How many people have difficulty forgiving themselves? Oh, we're bringing a big one down now. It's getting real in here, God. You guys ready for this one? Success. Man. Remember there was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus? He said, Lord, what, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus quoted six of the Ten Commandments to him. And he said, Lord, I've done all these. I've done all these my entire life. And he said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. He said, then you'll have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. Jesus was giving him a great opportunity. He was actually inviting him to be a disciple. He didn't do this with everyone. This is an amazing, amazing open door. And it says that the man went away sad because he had great wealth. Well, Phil, I don't understand it. You're, you're saying that God wants me to give everything away? No, I'm saying that God wants you to give him you. You. Personally, he knows what's an idol in your life. And apparently finances were an idol in this guy's life. His wealth and his riches because he wasn't willing to give it up. He wasn't willing to let go of that so that he could receive what God had for him. See, God was trying to get him to give away the little that he had to receive the great wealth that God had for him. Yeah. <clears throat> Success, I see it all the time. See, we can't bring weights with us into our intimacy with God. God, I, how about if we just hug like this? Just give me a, you know, yeah, don't tickle me now. Just, you know. I can't get to them. Why? All these things are hindering me. I remember my wife, when she was pregnant with our daughter, Becca, and then she, when she was pregnant with Zach, we would hug, and there was like this massive basketball right here in between us. Have you ever hugged a pregnant woman before? I mean, nine-month pregnant. I mean, it's like, whoa. And Nicole, would all, she would always say, 
This is the only time our kids will come between us. This is the only time, God, this stuff will come between us. And I'm telling you, it's time to lay aside some weights in our life. It's time to let go of stuff because when you push success to the side and you say, you know what, God, you're more important to me than success. You know what? I don't have time for criticism. Lord, I forgive that person for hurting me, for hurting my life. God, I repent of sin and I ask you to forgive me. That's what forgiveness feels like. There's a lot to hug here, Brian. Good hug. All right, that's it's getting awkward. So here's what we're going to do this morning. <clears throat> Some of you, as I've been talking, you've been looking at these different labels and they've been touching your heart. And you feel like in your heart, you know what, that's me. I've held on to a broken heart. I've, I've, I've got major anxiety about what ifs in my life. And, you know, I've let success get in front of God. And let me tell you what God wants to do with your success. He wants to move you from success to significance. Yes. Oh, that's a lot different. It's a lot better. He wants to take that success and turn it into significance in your life. And if that's you, uh, we're going to do something here this morning. I'm going to invite you to come and we're going to let go of hindrances. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.